The Music in Us is a free-flowing conversation about lyrics, music, and those who make it. Join Jay, the Grumpy Gagan, Scott, the pastor with a heart of rock and roll, Chip, the sarcastic boomer, and AJ, the millennial nihilist, for bi-weekly conversations. We don't always agree, but we always bring the respect. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome back to another exciting episode of The, the Music, Music in Us podcast. Music in Us. And we're continuing our theme of music that surprised us. In other words, a song that we didn't think that we would like that we ended up liking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm Scott, the pastor with a heart of rock and roll. Uh, I'm Paul. And, uh, something. What am I? What am I again? Well, baby boomer, you're, sarca- you're sarcastic. Oh, you're the I'm one sarcastic. who can never remember who he is. That too. <laughs> I'm the mystery. <laughs> the sarcastic mystery. boomer. Sarcastic boomer. There we go. <laughs> AJ, the nihilist millennial. You still wearing that hat, or you want to change it? Hmm? I said, are you still wearing that hat, or do you want still to change it? Still wearing that hat. Okay. <laughs> you sounded like you regretted saying it, so I didn't. <clears throat> I am Jay, the grumpy, the grumpy Gus. <laughs> also gay and pagan, so was a grumpy gagan. Grumpy gagan, gay pagan. Yep. Yeah. We can just sit. We can just say gagan with mm-hmm. two G's on the front. Gagan. Gagan. So tonight I picked the song "I'll Say I'm Sorry Now" by Sean Colvin. Sean Colvin. That's S H A W N. In the mid '80s, started a folk career. She actually sang backing vocals on uh, Suzanne Vega's. Uh, what was her big hit? My name is Luca. Luca. I lived on oh. the second, second floor. floor. Yeah. Oh. She sang backup on Suzanne Vega's Luca. That hit, uh, which got her attention, and she launched her own folk career in the mid 80s and she was you know going around the northeast and hit the folk circuit up there and uh, got quite a gathering she got a uh, a really good uh, producer named john leventhal who she ended up marrying and um had several albums that were successful her biggest album uh had the song Sunny Came Home, which was the big hit, probably the one you were thinking of when you said mm, yeah, there was so. another song by her you like. Sunny Came Home was like her big hit, Grammy Award winning mm. uh, song. And uh, but so but she had a divorce, and that album that Sunny Came Home on was considered the divorce album. And so five years, six years later, she puts out in two thousand one a whole new you. And that is an album described as commitment to family and sort of regathering herself after her divorce. <laughs> and uh, how convenient to be a recording artist and you can journal and turn it into an album. Yeah. Like each. <laughs> well, especially for singer songwriters. Right. And you know, like each album is this chunk of your life and yeah. how you've processed it and dealt with it. Right. <laughs> I, I was never a Sean Colvin fan. Didn't know who she was. Now, here's my problem. I think in my memory, which isn't real good, <laughs> <laughs> that I got exposed to this song 
in the credits of a movie about Sunday Bloody Sunday. Do you know what I mean when I say Sunday Bloody Sunday? It's a song by you too. But yes, but they're commemorating an actual event. The St. Valentine's Day massacre? No. So there was in 1972, January 30, 30th, a protest of internment without um without pressing charges. So the political system in Ireland you know, was really bad. Lots of violence. The IRA, so they were just throwing people in jail willy-nilly. Pretty no much, reason. yeah. So the IRA was fighting against British troops. Uh, Catholics are killing Protestants. It, the Unionists, those who want to, you know, keep um, Ireland as part of the British, you know, the United Kingdom, uh, are fighting against those who want to break away a nationalistic movement to become an independent Ireland. Mm-hmm. So there's been bloodshed for decades upon decades in Ireland and it reached a fever pitch in the early 70s where the British troops were sent in to sort of like keep the peace as and they were seen as an occupying force and there was a lot of protests and fighting against them and uh, this protest that was organized was intended to protest you know arresting people without without cause throwing them in jail without charging them and uh, British troops uh, were pelted with rocks or rocks were thrown at them but in essence they opened fire on unarmed protesters and killed 13 people at least five of them were teenagers Uh, and while they said they saw guns and pipe bombs and things like that, there's no evidence whatsoever that they were armed. There has been trials and investigations, and to date, no one has actually ever been convicted. So kind of in a way like Kent State, but at much bigger scale. Yeah, much bigger scale. So 13 people died that day, a 14th four months later from injuries that they received that day. Two people were hit by armored vehicles hmm. run them down in the streets um, and there were shootings you know prior to this date but this date was like the worst in Irish history is recent history let's put it that way right. and it's known as Sunday Bloody Sunday or Bloody Sunday I saw a film in 2002 called Bloody Sunday and I'm almost sure that I heard this song in the end credits hmm. but I can't find any evidence of that you know, on the internet. So I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, forgive me. Yeah, but I remember seeing like. it. I know it, it, that the song appeared in the third season of Roswell. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and it was also in another film uh, in 2001, about the same time the album came out, um, which I don't remember the name of that movie right now. But, but I was, you know, deeply moved that song playing after watching, you know... The film about Bloody Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but the song has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, politics or the, the fighting in Ireland. Sean Colin, Colvin wrote the song as a love song to her daughter, her oh. newborn. Hmm. And basically what she's saying is, I know I'm going to screw up as a oh. parent. I know that I won't be perfect. I know that I'm going to do something that hurts your feelings. I know I'm going to let you down. 
Mm. So I'll just say I'm sorry now. And that's what it's just this beautiful little song. It's very short, and it's it's a lullaby of sorts or a love song to her her newborn daughter. Hmm. But if, in the context of the film, where you had a father who was politically active and organizing, and and you know his wife was saying, you know, when's enough's enough? Don't do this. And then it ended in bloodshed. And I believe that the father in the film, his son, was killed Ooh. in the protest. Mm. So, it, you know, the the song takes on a completely different meaning in the context of the film. Where the father is having to deal with the, the fallout. I mean, it's not his fault that his son was killed. Or his nephew or whoever it was. I don't remember. But a young man was... I mean, several people were killed. Right. But one of his own family members was killed as a result of this protest march. So the song actually being about a parent knowing that they're going to screw up and apologizing ahead of time. As a parent of three grown children, how does that affect you? Well, I certainly know that I wasn't perfect, so I I feel that. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you were in an emotion, a similar emotional state before Amanda was born, or like around that time, where you just kind of knew, look, things aren't going to be great, and. No. You were where you were. No, just, I wasn't that. Did you have that foresight? I nope. Guess. Nope. I wasn't that, uh, what do you call it? Self aware. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Chip? No, I wasn't either. I mean, it is, I mean, we really had. You've also had another child later in life. Yeah. And things obviously change. Right. Between the first and. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, I mean, I didn't think about it. She. Our, my firstborn was kind of was not really planned not to say you know but i'm very thankful but i just you know so you know i mean back then it was just like oh you'll be a good parent and you just kind of just wing it you know i uh, now if i looked back on it i would i would wish i could have told myself several things you know and that was one of the frustrating things about my third one was i thought man this time i'm gonna do it right <laughs> and then it's like oh well now that now that i'm pregnant goodbye and so that one really sucked. I was, but anyway, it all. It, anyway, but yeah, that that is a. I, when I read about that, that that song was about a, a parent to their child. I thought that was a really touching, thoughtful song. I I kind of felt that way with Rowan, but being being in a, an adoption scenario, it was a little bit different, you know. And there wasn't a whole lot of time to prepare for it mentally or otherwise. But, right. Um, you know, I was keenly aware of the fact that, you know, I'm going to be raising a child in a less than ideal world. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, um, kind of been aware the whole time that I wouldn't really have the luxury of not 
knowing what I was doing and just kind of going through the day and and you know enjoying all the small moments and stuff like that kind of had to figure out what the priorities were and you know how I wanted this child to be raised in this world you know mm -hmm. I, I just kind of feel like that's a parent's job right now yeah and this age is not making sure that they're smiling all the time but be prepared for the prepared. shit storm right you're gonna have to deal with in 18 years um so i i don't know maybe that's me being a little bit of a nihilist but i'd rather have her prepared than well, things certainly don't look hopeful for America. That's for they sure. don't, or they for the really, globe really, really in general when it comes right. to the environment. We can't get our our crap together to do anything, even though we, you know, the majority acknowledge that this is a serious problem. We see the evidence around us, but those of us that could do something are kicking the can down the road and saying, "Don't worry about it." And of course, there's lots of other people who are like, "Oh, there's no such thing." And, Money, money, money. This is just made up. It's just, you know, some plot. To, it's like, come on. Anyway. Yeah, but entire ecosystems are Yeah, changing. that's the thing. It's the evidence. It's not, it's not that, you know, if, if there wasn't evidence, but when you when you see things going on around you that's doc, that are documented, major changes in ecosystems around the world. Yeah. It's like, how do you explain that? Yeah. yeah the life right. on my street hasn't changed. Not yet. Well, as much as we want to blame the Chinese for, you know, the viral pandemic, I mean, chances are it's just nature reacting to what's going on. The past three centuries, there was a uh, plague of some sort on the uh, 20th year, so. <laughs> Culling the herd. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny because... How many to the tune of five million right now? I mean, how how many movies do you see where that's the entire plot from you know the the evil mastermind? His idea is always having the population, or you know, getting rid of most of the population. Yeah, that was a uh, in order to save the planet. That was a James Bond theme yeah, in yeah. one of the it's Daniel Craig films. Yeah. It's, it's a theme in several movies, several books. It's all over the place. It's just people saying what really needs to happen, but nobody's going to yeah. do it. And then, yeah. of course, uh, Marvel's uh, Infinity <laughs> War. Exactly. Yeah. He was a pretty yeah. good guy after all. That, that premise thoughtful. is, you know... A, the premise is very old. It's, it's old, and it's almost tired at this point, you know, um, because it's... Yeah, you're right. That's good for it a good plot line, what though, right? To happen, <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm I'm really thankful to hear that the your generation and, and younger are not interested in having kids. That excites me <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. But then you but then you got people my age also that just won't stop having kids as well. Not as many, though. I mean, yeah, I'd say not as many, but like for like my coworker mm -hmm. who is going on number ten <laughs> next year. That's just not knowing what a condom is. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that's making up. That's making up for four different people 
four different couples that don't Good want kids <laughs> making it up for with one couple. That gene pool's getting contaminated. <laughs> uh, I mean, at least he's a great dad. Uh, oh, okay. Well, maybe. Yeah, not. he stays in contact with all of his kids. But the days of the Waltons are over. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you just keep pumping them out. Because they're free labor. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. That's definitely not a thing anymore. <laughs> yep. Can't keep pumping them out because now they're just a financial burden. <laughs> what was. How did we get to world domination through extinction? <laughs> I don't remember how we got there. <laughs> Who knows? Well, we raising were, children. We were talking, raising does children there need is, to be a reason why? Raising children you, at this time in day about, and age. You were talking about worrying how to raise yes. your children. Oh, in this world. In this said. world that is only looking to get worse when they become our age. Because there are just so many environmental, political, social problems that just keep on getting worse and don't seem to get better. Well, and I think about that, too, because, you know, I, I don't want to be chicken little. I always think that the sky is falling. So, you know, I try to balance things like that with, <clears throat> is this just how my parents felt? It's just probably is that just how their parents felt. <laughs> well, know? I think every every age has got its issues. Every age, there's does no perfect have its world issues. to raise a kid in. I just I don't know that they worried about anything as dire as the entire ecosystem of the planet collapsing. You know. They didn't know to worry about that. No, they worried about and it uh, certainly being wasn't nuked to death by by the Russians. That's yep. true. That's true. Nuclear war and nuclear holocaust and nuclear fallout and atomic winter and all those kinds of things have played out in literature. And in, uh, Do you yeah. remember the movie The Day After? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good books on that subject now, too. But, I mean, honestly, the end result is the same. A barren, dead earth with, uh, with limited resources. And that's exactly the same as, uh, as before the Cold War, uh, the issues were fighting over minute rate resources, right? Like mm -hmm. Mad Max style. Um, and then now it is the, we're just killing the resources. It, it hasn't changed. It's the issue has always been, well, like, uh, Mr. Uh, Smith says in the matrix, the humans are not like any other animal on the planet. But they are like a virus <laughs> or an invasive species. They, yeah. they no, that's true. move into an environment that is not suitable for them and destroy it to make it suitable for them and then move on to the next section. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, Otherwise, we wouldn't have concrete jungles. Yeah. <laughs> A good example. And then we kill each other inside of them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's murders every day. Yeah. Almost in Indianapolis. Yep. We have a lot more in common with flying fish than we do uh, chimpanzees or orangutans. Flying fish are a uh, are an invasive species, and uh, 
they will fight and kill uh, herds of them will fight and kill each other over flying fish yeah cool flying fish great new nightmares for jay <laughs> this is nothing new it's a species we've known about for a while oh, wasn't there uh, one of the uh, I don't know. one of the uh, piranha movies weren't they flying oh, <laughs> oh yeah. so a piranha nato not a shark nato yeah not shark nato Ooh. there's this other <laughs> there's this other movie uh my sister loves it it's like this really cheap b horror film but it's basically a vampire manta race <laughs> that can fly. I saw that. Yeah, it was horrible. It is horribly bad. Yeah, but entertaining. But yeah, um, flying fish will go into like a coral reef, like the Great Barrier Reef, which is dying, by the way, right. due to pollution and uh, overfishing, uh, and then invasive species getting yeah. pushed into the Barrier Reef because they got nowhere else to go. Because uh, we're polluting the water, uh, but yeah, flying fish if aren't if they aren't uh, culled, they can destroy an entire col- uh, coral reef by just eating it all. Are they good eating? <laughs> uh, I'm told that they're not. Actually, oh, well, no, that's the they're, they're like they're like nothing but muscle. I mean, for a, for a fish to be able to breach the water and then have flappable wings. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of some kind of turducken thing. Like it's, it's <laughs> half, half chicken, half fish. <laughs> turducken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Invasive species. Yeah. They're whack. <laughs> I can find out a, a picture of a flying fish for you so that you can have nightmares, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, while he's doing this, back to the song. Yes. Uh, let's just go through the, the lyrics here. I'm okay. going to let you down. I know that now. Make you cry. I know I will. Why should you believe I would never leave or that I love you still? Does that, does that sound like a loving parent? That's, that sounds like a parent who's just scared shitless. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And yet, you got to appreciate the honesty. That she knows she's fallible. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, saying row and cry is just the worst, the worst thing. I mean, and even if it's just she's laying on her changing table, getting her diaper changed first thing in the morning instead of having milk, doesn't matter if it's, you know, a quote unquote valid reason or not. Her face is screaming. There's tears coming down her eyes. I just, I look at that and I feel like she feels like we betrayed her. Like her needs aren't being met. And it's, it just, it kills me. Hmm. Because I just read so much into. And I, just, I usually just say, nah. Oh, well, the thing is, get too, over it. you got to be careful, too, because they'll use those tears if I mean, you're not yeah, careful. It's good for their oh, development of their lungs. It's necessary. <laughs> I mean, but she doesn't really. She doesn't, she, at least yet. She doesn't really manipulate uh, me okay. yet. Well, I, she doesn't really cry a lot either. I mean, you know, she she falls down and gets right back up again. So when she, she does, she's she like, dropped oh. a can of beans on her toe. Oh wow, that, that never feels that caused good. some tears. I bet. <laughs> but I mean, she's yeah. If she's just running, takes some standard little tumble, she just gets right back up and. 
and goes. So it's you know she doesn't she doesn't scream cry a lot. So usually something's happened, mm-hmm. or she's just you know super mm-hmm. cranky. This 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 phrase here. Why should you believe I would never leave? Oh, or that, that I hurt. love you still. I mean, I'm just like, how could you even say that or even think that? And yet, I think what she's saying is to this little child, why should you have faith in me? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's how I read it. Yeah. 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 She's not really saying, I'm going to leave you someday or I'm going to stop loving you. But, no, but Because they... a parent generally would say, I would never stop loving you. There's nothing you could do would ever make me stop loving you. Right, right but... But you're th- you're thinking about it from the parents' point of view, but she's thinking of it from her daughter's point of view, yeah. and I get it. You know that that love is so unconditional from a kid. That's what makes it so sweet and pure mm. and wonderful. But would there that- be anxiety in the child to think my ch- my parents going to leave me or not love me? Yeah, they don't have most children that haven't been given a reason. <laughs> you know to feel that way don't aj talk about that well i would say with uh a child with uh you know more simplified mind they don't have uh they don't have critical thinking and complex reasoning yet is like if uh they do something that makes the parent angry you know and uh parent has to punish them or something to get the point across in the moment as soon as this parent that usually only shows you unconditional love and is basically your world because you're a child dies without their parent you know uh is vindictive to them then it's the most terrifying thing a child could experience other than actually having the parent leave or actually having the parent do something horrible to them it, it, I would say that that unconditional love is like a two, two-sided blade, uh, because it can create the most ultimate fear, as well. Mm. Which is why there are whole psychological researches and complexes over children being terrified of their parents, or for even with uh, certain homosexuals uh they're completely turned off by a uh by the opposite gender because their opposite gender parent uh was abusive or such and such uh just that unconditional love brings a certain level of uh fragileness uh that can be easily hurt i remember it was either Amanda or Erica told me that when they were little, if it was time to go and they weren't snapping to when it was time to go, I was just like, okay, see you later. I walk off, you know, and then they'd scream and cry and follow me. And they said that terrified them. They actually thought I was going to leave them. Oh, we never know how we're screwing our kids. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will cause psychological scars that'll never heal. That's how that, the saying should go. 
<laughs> what I used to say, you know, that pack kidding. up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Even <laughs> though <laughs> your heart is breaking, smile, boys, smile. All while. You know, so I sing that song. I go, pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and dump it on your kids later. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more reality. So here's the next part. For all the by and by, and as hard as we try, the bow breaks and the cradle falls. That's a great use of the nursery rhyme. Sure, sure. Rockabye baby. This is a horrible nursery rhyme. Yeah, it is. You're <laughs> right. Most nursery rhymes I agree. are pretty horrible, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, most nursery rhymes are written back when uh, child fatality uh, child fatality rate in the first year was like double. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. Same what, for same for like Ring Around a Rosie. That oh yeah, that's about the Black Plague. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> creepy. How pleasant. Congratulations on your new baby. Hope it lives. But I think what she's saying, you know, is that <laughs> it's the truth, right? Yeah. That that beautiful romance between parent and child someday will falter. Someday will break. There will there will be a fall. Puberty. <laughs> yeah, I keep telling you know Mimi upstairs, uh, my wife. She just loves being a grandmother, right? And, she, and I just said, you know, enjoy it now because in ten years they're not going to want anything to do with you. Yeah. Oh yeah, they will, but they'll always have their hand out cash. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. like. I kind of read it kind of like you know, because as parents we try to you know protect our children and create this kind of cocoon of safety and. So no, but but no matter what you do, eventually, reality is going to creep in. Something bad's going to happen. You can't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, school, public school. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, <laughs> something bad's going to happen. No matter no matter what world you try to create. I can remember sitting with my oldest daughter and just boohooing tears and crying over conflict with other students at school. You know, somebody was mean to her. Amanda. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Oh, I thought she was pretty popular. It happens. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. The bat- brow breaks. My oldest daughter, mm-hmm. like right when they went to junior high, she was friends with all kinds of different people and stuff. And then all of a sudden, these they started developing these cliques. And boy, some of them just like, well, we're all too good for you. Yep. And yep. it's really weird. It was just like it was like almost overnight, like from one year to the next. And it was just, yep. I don't know what happens or what causes that, but all of a sudden they're like, oh man. Yep. Yeah, I got that's the one. And, f- and you can't really protect your kids from that. No, it's you can't. The world. Yeah. yeah, you know they got to learn how to live in it, and there's bullies, and there's cliques, and there's belonging, and being rejected, and there's all that stuff, and you can't protect them. All you can do is help them learn how to manage it, navigate, navigate. Yeah, mm-hmm. be a sounding board. Well, <laughs> I don't agree with the uh, loss of innocence through uh, school. Yeah, I learned all the curse words. By going to school. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember coming home from school and saying, Mom, what does this mean? <laughs> Some of them she didn't even know. I mean, she was like, I don't and, know. And what is that? You know, that's number one. You know, I mean, if it's in the home and parents are using that language, the kids bring it to the school. Sure. Exactly. But now it's all over television and yeah, you can't escape social it. media, and movies, everywhere. And social media now, yeah. the, the internet. I mean, kids are less and less innocent going into public school yeah, they don't have because a chance of the to, world that we live in. Yeah, they don't have a chance to to 
you know, get to that point. They just, just dump. They don't them. have a chance to be children. Right. That's right. That's which is very sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I found out. I found out my daughter, Hermalia, she's thirteen. She was like, she said, I've been watching the Squid Game. I'm like, oh, okay. She told me a little bit about it. Show. And horrible. then so then I finally, when I was at Paul was watching the cats, I I I'm turned on the TV and I'm watching this movie and I'm like, you watch this. I have no idea what it was. I, there was a skit based on it on Saturday Night Live, I think, last week, and I'm like, "What? It's is like going on? It's like <laughs> Hunger. It's like Hunger Games, yeah, but like rated R, and for criminals and poor people instead of just randomly chosen. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, very Korean, violent, right? Yeah, yeah, Korean. It's very violent, very graphic, yeah. and uh, I just was like. Anyway, I was. I mean, that's floored. kind of the impression I got from an SNL skit, but yeah, that's real. Yeah, it's real, and it's really popular on Netflix. The, the running game was that. Remember that with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. those were fictional was, movies. Yeah, yeah, but they were, they were <laughs> gladiators pulled out of prison. Yeah, and but still, play, I would never let the death. I would not let my thirteen-year-old daughter watch it, though. I would have. Yeah, Squid Squid Game is a work of fiction. Oh, it's absolutely Remember that. But yeah, like people doing skits of it being real and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sick sense of humor. Yeah. Honestly. But I mean, like at the same time, uh, I think it's once again the writer, or the director behind that doing a social commentary on like what has our society come to. Sure. For this to happen. Like, uh, I forget what it's called. I think it may be called Guns Akimbo. Uh, the actor that played Harry Potter, he had a... Uh, Ratcliffe. Henry Henry Ratcliffe? Da- Daniel. 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 Oh, yeah, right. Thank you. Thanks, right. Anyway, he gets put in a... Uh, he was in a movie where he gets uh, put into this... Uh, like it's a literal streaming game where criminals are forced to fight each other and like literally uh, kill each other for in reality for people's entertainment live streams pretty sick mm-hmm. and he's just a regular guy and he's forced into it because he uh, because he made a rude comment on a li- on the live stream once and the moderator didn't like it so he gets guns bolted to his hands mm. and he's told that he has to kill the top player in the game or he's gonna die uh crazy yeah so it's, so it's just like when uh, and there's more than one movie like that of course but it's just like when uh are we gonna get to that level or uh are, or have we gotten to that level because like, Hope not. you can find thousands of compilations on YouTube of just people failing, fail compilations, and it's mostly people getting hurt. So, right, and right. they're like the top viewed, most liked videos on YouTube. People just sure, love watch, watching other people get idiocracy hurt. happening. Yeah, idiocracy happening. Absolutely. Uh, so far as voluntary, right? There was a it's television like yeah, to show it. they watched called. I, I hurt my balls or something like that. It was all I forget what it's called, but it's literally all people getting hit in their balls. No, it's just one guy. Yeah, okay. one guy getting <laughs> getting testicular torsion every episode. Over and, 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 over and, you know, and over people again. are sitting there just laughing and laughing and laughing while they're drinking their big gulp. 
So, yeah. <laughs> I blame America's funniest home videos. That one. Mm-hmm. There you <laughs> go. Blame For the pratfalls. Yeah. Yep. Tosh.0, he was the starter. <laughs> Yeah, he's but so far it's voluntary, so that's the good thing there, right? It's not forcing people to. So we talk about the wider effects of influence on children, and you know how that perfect little bubble between parent and child gets broken. Uh, but but she's specifically talking about herself and her own fallibility as a human being, and not going to be the perfect parent because there's. No such thing. Right, exactly. And so she says, for everything I do that will tear at you, let me say I'm sorry now, which is a really tender thought. I mean, it's really beautiful. And then she's, the latter part of the song, she kind of goes off in a different direction, but it's very poetic. And she's basically talking about the choices that the child will make. You can sing your song. You can sing our song. (laughs) I don't know what she means by that. It's open to interpretation. Could be their relationship. The music they make together. Yeah, maybe she's got a. Maybe they have a song, song that she sings to her. Yeah, could be, could be a nursery song. Yeah, Um, we used to sing to the kids. uh, What was that song? Baby got back. No, it's based on a a a nursery book. Um, Gosh darn it! You guys all recorded it for mom. I can't remember it. We used to sing it to you. I think what she means by sing our song is more talking about uh um will you follow our morals as your your parents' morals. Oh. Okay. It's not a literal song, it's uh it's uh, you know, we we raise you with this, are you gonna follow this path, or are you gonna go off of it? That's an interesting take. <laughs> the song is I'll love you forever. I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Okay. Yeah. And there's this story that goes with it, you know, that, that that song gets sung, the mother keeps singing it to her child, and even as he grows older, you know, she, like she goes to visit him. It's a book, yeah. She goes to visit him in his home and then sings it to him at night when he's going to bed, you know, Talk about codependency. <laughs> but it's really, in the book, it's really kind of beautiful. And at the end, it flips. The old man comes and holds his ailing mother, who's elderly and aged, and holds her and rocks her and sings, I'll love you forever. God, are you trying to press all my buttons? Yes. Jesus. Every single one. <laughs> so, you can sing our song, whether it's follow our teachings our example our morality or our or just celebrate our relationship and then it you can get it wrong you can kiss the rock of ages so i i guess i see your interpretation there aj mm-hmm. rock of ages being a maybe a reference to christianity the famous hymn rock yeah. of ages Clint for me Clint, yeah this one and I uh, Jeff Leopard, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What a great song. <laughs> I thought it was a movie. <laughs> In your wildest dreams, you might see between the liars and the sages. I mean, I think that just kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah, but it's good poetry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just call it having a good bullshit detector. Yeah. yeah. She said it real pretty. Yeah. She said, <laughs> she said it pretty lack. <laughs> you can walk a while down the mystery mile. You can beat the drums of freedom. 
and in love and war, through the rush and roar, just you just call them like you see them. And that ends the song. I call them as a season. <laughs> Stuff to chew on. Neat song. Great song from yeah, John Colvin. It is. It was. It is a great song. It's nice. I like it. And you know, again, why am I surprised? Well, I'm not really a folk artist fan. There's, I can name on my maybe one hand the number of folk artists or singer songwriters I like: James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel, uh, Carol King, Joni Mitchell, Nancy Griffith. Nancy Griffith, yes. Joni Mitchell. Eh. I do like uh, she's a little out there. You have to like Joni Mitchell. Some, but not a lot. Alright. <laughs> so anyway, but you, you know, the the point is is I so I was surprised I liked it. But when I heard it, I mean it, it in the context of the film, and again, I could be wrong. I might be remembering wrong because I can't find proof that she was in that her song was in that film. But in the context of the film, it was deeply moving and very impactful. And I was like, I got to find out who this is. And I searched the credits on the screen, got the name, the reference, you know, and the credits, and then looked it up and bought the album. Bought the album. Very good. And, you know, and she's considered part of Nashville, a country artist. Oh, okay. Even though she's not really, she doesn't sound country. There's a lot of things that get put into the country genre I just don't agree with. Right. Whatever. Yeah. No one asks me. Yeah. So anyway, that's Sean Colvin. I'll say I'm sorry now. Thank yeah. you, Sean Colvin. We love your song. Very nice. Thank you. What year was that? 2001. Mm, yeah. That's probably grown now, I would say. Probably so. Hi, kid of Sean, uh, Sean Colvin. <laughs> if you're listening. So I'm sure you are. Oh, yeah. If yes. I had done my research, I could have got the kid's name, but I didn't. Didn't huh? get that bit. So. Sorry. Sorry. Can tell us how her mother did with Wikipedia. that. Wikipedia. Anyway. Any other thoughts, guys? Nope. Flying fish is edible. <laughs> it's, Flying fish uh, are edible. Google Google says that it has a flavor reminiscent of sardines with uh with cod. Uh mm. and Barbados is famous for uh Fried flying fish. There we go. Okay, so, I was wrong about her marrying. Uh, uh, maybe she just dated him, John Leventhal, her producer. Oh, okay. Because it doesn't say she married him. She was married twice to Simon Tassano, and uh, first to Simon Tassano in 1993, who she divorced, and then in '95 to photographer Mario Irwin, who she married in '97 and divorced in 2002. <laughs> she gave birth to a daughter. Caledonia. Anybody know mm. it in uh, July of 1998? Anybody know the significance of Caledonia? It's a song. Yeah, yeah it was a 50s song. Yeah. It was a hit. Oh. Every time we would go to uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, th- they played a, that song in the opening. Remember when we went on the Mystery Train and they played the Mystery Train uh, video when you were first walked in? And they had Caledonia! Caledonia, what makes your big head so hard? <laughs> oh. I think Big Joe Turner was the guy that who sang right. that. Yeah, huh. it's funny because in that music video, he's talking to Caledonia, and she's taller than him, and his name is Big Joe Turner. 
<laughs> so here's here's a little insight. Colvin says she struggled on and off with depression, alcoholism, and anxiety. And she wrote a book in 2012 called Diamond in the Rough, which explains some of those things. It talks about some of those struggles. Sounds so like a that, standard so that's American. Where that, that sensitivity came from <laughs> as a new parent is that she she's fully aware of her imperfections and yeah. her struggles. Well, with depression fills you with self-doubt. Too. Right. Lewis Jordan did Caledonia. Lewis Jordan? That's mm-hmm. not big Joe Turner. Right. But they, they were similar. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Jump Blues is what So she won the called. Grammy for Best Contemporary Folk Album in 91, Steady On. Uh, she was nominated in 94 for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and Best Contemporary Folk Album. In 95, she was nominated for Best Contemporary Folk Album. And in 97, she was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. In 1998, with Sunny Came Home, she won the Grammy for Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Good for her. Did I say 91? 1998. 1998, she won those. And she continues to be celebrated. celebrated. That's all we got to say about that. <laughs> Any other thoughts on uh, I'll Say I'm Sorry Now? Nope. nope. Do, do preemptive apologies work? <laughs> well, it depends. I'm really sorry because I'm about ready to hit you. I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you're like, I don't think you're really I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry for what I'm about to do. <laughs> this is going to hurt me more than it is you. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes before I go into like maybe a retail situation where I know I'm going to have to show my ass to get what I want, I might apologize ahead of time to Kevin for the embarrassment he's going to feel. Yeah. But, you know. Huh. Retail situations. I'm not usually retail, but, oh, you know, okay. like... When you just kind of have to be a little more firm to get what it is that you've paid for and uh, I got to you. make something right. Yeah, I, I, I got you. kind of being bad I retail situation. your issue and you're like, yeah, but you're gonna. Right. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Retail situations that have gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Or tits up. <laughs> all right so that was sean the colvin. sean colvin that was sean yeah the, the music in sean colvin i thought you were queuing it so this has been the, the music, music in us. us it's cathartic yeah it is okay bye bye yeah. goodbye thanks for listening thank you for listening to the music in us we hope you enjoyed today's show Also, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us when you can, any way that you can. Email us at themusicandonspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at themusicandonspod, Facebook at themusicandonspodcast, or on our website, themusicandonspod.com. We'll see you next week with another great gab fest about the universal language of music.